Hola, cariño. Hola, amor. Y bienvenidos a Uy, qué horror. A Latinx Horror Movie Podcast with Johnny and Eileen. I'm Johnny. And I'm Eileen. Hello. Hello. Are we who we say we are? <laughs> yes, we. It's it's been a bonkers time, guys, because I'm here in good old in my home state of if you're going. Nope. Because San Francisco is in a state, Eileen. But if you're going, <laughs> going. to San Francisco, mm. coming in live from the 415. Oh, that was pretty good. Nice. Oh, <laughs> nailed it. Fucking nailed it. I remember one time I was visiting you in San Francisco and oof, years ago, I'm going to say almost 20, 20 years ago when we were still in college. Ooh, yeah. Grandma and grandpa over here. <laughs> And I was like, so I got to get a plane. I have to like figure out my ticket to San Fran. And you were like, wait, never, ever say San Fran ever again. I was like, ah, (laughs) got it. Got it. Lesson learned. There's so many rules. (laughs) The other day, somebody was like, you're not supposed to say Carl the Fog. I'm pretty sure it was my cousin Gabriela. And I was like, I like saying Carl the Fog because I think it's funny when you name inanimate things. And the fog here in San Francisco is so big. And one time on Twitter, somebody started a Twitter profile called Carl the Fog, which was meant to be like the fog of San Francisco. Love that. And I'm like, yeah, Carl the Fog, Carl the Fog, Carl the Fog. And Gabriela, my cousin's like, what the fuck? I fucking hate it. I mean, she didn't say it like that, but oh, oh yeah, I was. Yeah, I'm like, I could never hear her say that. Yeah. She was <laughs> like, that's for young people. And I was like, well, thank God I'm young then. <laughs> I... Youthful, nary a wrinkle. <laughs> Not a wrinkle in sight. Oh my God. San Francisco to me is such a. Well, let's just talk about San Francisco. It is such a <laughs> magical place. I love that town. The only times I've ever really been there, I think, are with you. But like, yeah. Carl the Fog, the fucking, <laughs> it's July and you were literally wearing a turtleneck right now. <laughs> yeah. The parrots, like the food. Oh, I just love, food. I love San Francisco. What it's a great town. I love it. And it's your place of birth. Yeah, it's the place where I was birthed. It's my home. That's home. Yeah. Well, speaking of home, another place that I called home was Brazil. And we are <laughs> returning back to the lovely country of brazil with this movie nice segue thank you so much Mm -hmm. (laughs) this movie that i picked this week which man wow (laughs) wow so i i was like i'm gonna be away and all this stuff i was almost gonna pick a really tough movie to watch and then i was like "Mm, maybe i'll save that for later because i think i might watch this on the plane and then i watched part of it before I got on the plane and it, there was like immediate boobs and I was like, I can't do this on the plane. No, Oh, no, no, no. You got to like tuck yourself into like the deepest corner of the plane. Turn yeah. that screen away. No, it's not going to work. Because this is an Ivan Cardoso film, which we've covered before when we did O Segredo da Múmia. And mm-hmm. same vein in that it's a, a Tehi movie. It's a horror comedy specific to Brazil that is yep. goof central and uh, boob and bush central as well. And the way that Ivan Cardoso does it is like you'll just be watching a regular scene and just like cut to boobs, cut to bush. And you're just like, whoa, dude, you didn't give me a second to prepare. (laughs) Yeah. Or you're watching a scene and there's just a fully nude person in the background and you're like, 
What am I paying attention to? <laughs> How am I to pay attention to anything you're saying when there's literally uh, just a fully nude person living their life over here? <laughs> so let's talk about as Sete Vampiras, The Seven Vampires, released in 1986, written by Ivan Cardoso and Rubens Francisco Lucchetti, Lucchetti maybe? Same sure. guy that wrote O Segredo da Múmia with Ivan Cardoso as well and directed mm -hmm. by Ivan Cardoso. But before we get to talking about this movie, A, please remember to subscribe, rate, and review, and B, how about some titulos de terror that ah. I can share with you? So I thought... As Sete Vampiras, The Seven Vampires. Let's find a vampire title. Great. And recently, What We Do in the Shadows was just, uh, season four just came out. And mm -hmm. I thought, oh, What We Do in the Shadows is a vampire comedy horror. So sure. this goes well. So funnily enough, some Latino countries, specifically the Spanish-speaking ones, call... There's a couple names for them. So what? Argentina and Ecuador call what we do in the shadows Casa Vampiro, which mm -hmm. makes sense. Sure. In Mexico, they call it Entrevista con unos vampiros, which is funny. Sure. Yep. <laughs> in Brazil, in Brazil, where we're about to go, it's called O que fazemos nas sombras, which is basically what, what we, we do, do in, in the, the shadows. shadows. Yeah. <laughs> so there you go there's your titulos de terror for the week and let's get a synopsis for As Sete Vampiras from you Johnny absolutely this synopsis is from IMDB I'm interested as to how you're going to feel about this here we go okay Botanist is incapable of handling a carnivore plant that turns its victims into vampires. Clumsy detective and his secretary are hired to solve the mysterious deaths happening in a nightclub show. Okay. <laughs> Feels like two synopsizes at once. Synopsizes, yes. Synopsizes at once. And the yes. first part is... Massively incorrect. Yes. Yeah. yeah it's, wrong. <laughs> it's wrong. Well, we're what we'll soon discover with this film is that it has nothing to do with vampires. Nothing at all. I almost didn't want to include the first part of that synopsis as like, I don't want like spoiler alert, but that's literally what happens at the beginning of our film. So I was like, fuck it. Let's just throw it in there. If you're expecting Dracul, you are uh you're in the wrong podcast episode. Yep. <laughs> this isn't the place. No, but let's talk about Asetia Vampiras. Here we go. On a ship's dock, two workers ask a boat captain what's in this big crate that they're standing in front of and that they have to move into a truck to get it to its destination, basically. Mm -hmm. The captain says, I don't know, but what I do know is that every three hours, you got to shove a big-ass piece of meat in that hole right there that that crate has. And one of the workers says, well, if it came from Africa, it must be a ferocious animal. But the other guy says... Don't be a fucking idiot. If it's going to the garden center, then it must be a plant or something that deals with plants. Hello, you fucking dummy. Uh, so a very tall man, very lurchy looking dude. Oh, the longest face I've ever seen. Such a long face. He arrives in a very fancy schmancy car. This is Fred. Also known as, as Fred in English, but I love Fred. Fred in Portuguese. So 
Fred instructs the two workers to carefully load up the crate into the truck. Con calma, con calma. Let's all have calma, okay? <laughs> and so they load the crate on and Lurch says, all right, follow me with the truck. I'll drive in front. And one of the workers locks up the back of the truck and he says, Anches kiskapi, before it escapes. And he looks dead in the camera, like down the barrel and says, Porra, planta que come carne. Puta que pariu, eu, hein? <laughs> which means, well, shit, a plant that eats meat. Well, puta que pariu, which just means like, well, what the fuck? Eu, hein? <laughs> Dude, okay, first of all, the first moments of our film, just goof central. Goof. Goof ma goof. Like, these two worker dudes are goofballs. They are playing to the back of the room, too. They're like, the back of the house. What's going on in this crate? What's in there? (laughs) Throw some meat in that hole. You know, just fully ridiculous. But... This was specifically for you and I, this moment where this dude is like, a meat-eating plant. And I was like, wait, are we like in Little Shop of Horrors territory here? That's literally what I thought. I was like, oh, maybe, because, you know, doing this podcast and discovering the wonders of Latino horror Uh films, often we find that they're just like, let's just take this other film made before and just remake it. Fuck it. But I was also so confused because I was like, wait, 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 wait. Asechi vampiras. Like, Uh I'm thinking vampires, and all of a sudden you're talking about carnivorous plants? Yeah, what? What? Very confused, very entertained in these first five minutes, but massively confused. Last little thing. (laughs) For those of you who do not know, I mentioned Little Shop of Horrors because Eileen and I were in it in high school together (laughs) in Nicaragua. It is a vital memory in our friendship. Uh, so, totally. So there you go. Just so you know. <laughs> and honestly, I because I thought, oh, maybe we're getting a little shop situation. Uh-huh. I got really excited. I was like, totally. oh, maybe we'll see some little shop vibes. Pero, <laughs> spoiler alert. Alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. That's not what happens. Ah, uh, no. And then Hitchcock appears and... Uh, Basically, he introduces the movie, but it's obvious this is him from like another show or film that he used to do. He's wearing a lab coat and a dubbed voice over him says like, oh, this is Azeche Vampiras. It's a horror movie. Be brave because this is going to be really scary. And then he like has a huge vat that he's like fucking turning around what the hell how how wonderful would it have been <laughs> if we had found some trivia or something that was like well oh actually God. everybody Ivan Cardozo and Alfred Hitchcock <laughs> were, were <BFFs>. great pals <laughs> and Ivan was like hey dude I just need you to like just send just me intro a, my film intro my movie and and Alfred was like I got you Dude, you're my guy. Hell but yeah. that is, I, 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 I'm not going to say with certainty that's not what's happening here, but I'm, I'm gonna pretty go ahead sure. And say that I have certainty that that is not the case. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're probably right. Oh my God. So a Casio keyboard plays. We get our title card, Azeche Vampiras, and the credits roll with a fun 80s Casio tune I as it plays. Love this bouncy Great. song. Oh my gosh. So fun. 
in a big greenhouse looking building, which I believe is meant to be the garden center that we heard earlier. And Portuguese through the movie in the beginning, I think they were calling it Orto, like we see that Fred is examining what was inside the crate, which is a giant plant, very a la little shop. It's got like a big red petally flower in the center and then little vines that kind of stand on end. And at the ends of the vines, there's little like Venus flytrap mouths on it. Totally. Right. Yeah. It's giving me. Tremors vibes where sure tremorsy when the the worms open their mouths like the tentacles come out except these are like surrounding the thing yeah and standing up yeah exactly it would be like almost like they're coming out of the ground or something Evita Evita <laughs> I'm putting my arms up everybody <laughs> uh, so a woman walks in this is Sylvia. Fred just says to Sylvia, oh, I'm so sorry I've been neglecting you, darling, but I'm the only one that can deal with this plant. And the plant opens up some of its petals and we see these needle like teeth all inside Ooh. of the petals. And it scares Sylvia, but Fred assures her, listen, don't worry, it's just a plant. It's not going to hurt anybody. And Sylvia's like, I don't know, I'm still a little worried about the fact that you're hanging out with a carnivorous fucking plant. But she's running late, so she's got to go pick up her friend Clarice. And she tells Fred, listen, please be careful. And he says, don't worry about it. I'll stay up and wait for you until you're finished with your thing with Clarice. They kiss and off she goes. It's storming terribly and Sylvia drives her friend Clarice and Clarice is like bimbo blonde, like high pitched voice, just like Marilyn Monroe esque, like a little flighty, a little like very sweet and like, ooh, kind of lady. Clarice asks about Fredgy and she's like. Sylvia, you look very concerned, very worried. And Sylvia's driving the car, like, obviously very upset and being like, oh, Clarice, I'm worried about f this carnivorous plant that Fred is working on. <laughs> and Clarice's like, I pensei que só existiam nas histórias de quadrinhos, which means I thought those only existed in comics. And like, in Portuguese, I loved it so much. In Portuguese, there's two ways of saying comic books. You can say mm -hmm. histórias em quadrinhos, which literally means stories in little squares, which is so cute. Love that. Or revistinhas. So the word revista means a uh, magazine mm -hmm. and a revistinha is a little magazine. So cute. <laughs> so cute. Oh, my God. <laughs> so anyways, Clarice is like, I thought carnivorous plants only existed in comic books. Back at Fred's, uh, Fred's, Fred's greenhouse, <laughs> he's taking some notes and like saying that this plant that he got from Africa is still mostly unknown. So he's really putting himself at risk as a precaution, though. He procured the only antidote against the plant's possible injuries. Like if he, if somebody gets hurt, he's got the only antidote for it. Okay. Mm. Now we're in a locker room again with Clarice and Sylvia, and they're getting into some dance gear, it seems. And yes. this is where we get our first fully nude person just standing next to these two women having a conversation. Bush, boobs, tits, everything out, drying herself for the whole entire scene. Yes. Ma'am, you would have been dried five minutes ago. 
The thing about this setup, it is, is that it is just so obviously <laughs> like th- she is there to be looked at. Yeah. It's not like a locker room scene where like in the back, you'd be like, oh shit, look at that butt for a second. Or like some no. boobs are out. No, th- this it's like the, the three of them are the main are focal ground here <laughs> yes. to the left are Clarice and Sylvia just like gabbing, putting on their tights and literally right next to them right there. This woman drying herself for 10 minutes. (laughs) I wasn't looking at anything else. I was like, what's going on over here? Why? We're here with her for so long. It's crazy. I mean, she sells it, though. She's just like, yep. She looks great, pero puta, suficiente. (laughs) Wouldn't expect anything less coming from this director, though, you know? Absolutely not. So Sylvia is still really worried about Fred and the killer plant that she she calls it a killer plant. And Cladice is like, girl, you are tripping out like what? (laughs) Like two seconds ago, he was it was just carnivorous. Now it's a killer plant like pump it. But (laughs) but Sylvia is like, she's got a feeling, Mm. a weird feeling. And Cladice is like, Cladice is a good friend, because even though she's like, Sylvia, Calm down. She's like, listen, go call him. Just check to see. That'll make you feel better. And then if everything's okay, come back. Or if not, you can go see him. Great. That is a good a good observation there about Clarice is that throughout the film, honestly, as the film... She's a great friend. She did things that I was like, yes, listen to Clarice. She, like, she said very sensible things. But like y- you expect that she would be like this kind of like is by the look like this blonde, flighty, flighty idiot, yeah. you know, whatever. But I like I was caught off guard by her because I know. she was so sensible here. So back to Fred and he's feeding all the little uh Venus flytrap mouths on the ends mm-hmm. of the vines, some raw meat. And he's like, Oh, King, Dev, don't worry. There's a little bit for everyone and whatever. And then the phone rings, but he gets distracted by it and he can't notice that he is a too close to the flower of the plant and B that one of the vines is coming up behind him and suddenly chomp on his neck. And then the big toothy flower fully engulfs his face. There's blood everywhere gushing from his neck and he's screaming as the flower basically swallows up his head. This was cool. This was very, very cool. You know, very bloody, very gory, ridiculous. Because the vines are screaming like they have monkey screams. Yeah. Yes. But another thing here was that the plant. Have you ever seen the TV movie, The Langoliers? It's no. I believe it was a short story by Stephen King. And it's about Mm -hmm. it's literally about like world eating monsters like it's or something like that. I, I can't remember if it was good or not. I saw it years ago when I was a kid. But this plant gave me Langolier vibes so hard. It is an Audrey II Tremors Langolier mashup. It's, I'm going to send you a picture once we're done with this. And you're going to be like, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's what it is. For sure. So now we're back at the dance studio and Clarice is teaching a dance class. And it's just shots of butts. It's just all oh, the butts. Every gentle, single butt. 
Hip thrusts. Yeah. <laughs> um, dois, três, quatro. Um, dois. It's ridiculous. So Sylvia comes in, interrupts, because obviously now that she didn't get an answer from Fred, she is freaking out. And she's like, listen, I'm going to go home. No one answered. I'm really concerned. And Clarice, again, great friend, is like, don't worry about it. I'll take care of things here in the studio. You go and check. So Sylvia goes. She gets in her car, driving to the garden center. It's still storming horribly, and she's remembering all the things that Fred said to her before she left, being like, it's okay, it'll be safe, Not a, it's not going to hurt me, blah, blah, blah. And the psycho theme totally <laughs> plays over this as she's I, driving. <laughs> I couldn't believe this. I laughed like, my ass off. Absolutely. Like, <laughs> this is clearly homage slash yeah. full ripoff, Ooh. but... Yeah, exactly. But I was like, it's not trying to copy it. It's literally no. being like, this is psycho, you know? Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah. I, I had to kind of respect it for just like how ridiculous it was. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And you, whenever you hear that song, there is no way that you're not going to be like, oh, it's so good. Like yeah. when they played it in Ratchet, because didn't they do it in Ratchet too, I feel? I haven't seen that TV oh. show. I think you should just for <laughs> that moment. But I th- sure. I'm pretty sure, sure. Uh, it's so good. Uh, or when Busta Rhymes sampled it. So Dude. good. Yes. So good. At the garden center, she's calling for Fred. Fred, Fred, cadê você? Cadê você? Fred, no one answers. Cuando de repente, the plant is behind her. And in the mouth of the flower are the shreds of Fred's clothes and a bunch of blood and guts. And Sylvia screams and the vines start to attack her. And they squeal and shriek some more as they grab at her arms and body. And in one of the vine mouths... There's Fred's eyeball, and he's just yeah. munching on an eyeball. I like yeah. that. Yeah, of course. That was very, that was <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> so Sylvia has her arm, like one of the vines has Sylvia's arm, but she pulls it away and she runs, and she runs into Fred's office, and Sylvia finds the bottle of the antidote that Fred mm. was talking about, and she dramatically moans and screams into the moonlight, and then sometime later. And she, you can tell that it's been a few days and she's like in anguish. Her hair is all wild and she's got a big wound on her arm from the plant attack. But it is not fresh. It's like yeah. mm-hmm. been curing itself. The phone rings and it's Clarice and she's like, listen, Sylvia, I heard you quit the dance school. You can't just do that. You can't quit the school. She said you should ask for leave of absence until like the tragedy blows over. And Sylvia's like all drama, just being like, no one can do anything for me. It is my problem and my own forever. And please give me privacy. And she hangs up the phone. (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay, so. So Clarice on the other end of the line in her own apartment, we we see a man walk in. This is Louise. Louise has an open shirt, white pants, and uh, he brings her a drink. And it's her boyfriend slash sex pal slash who knows. He's a man giving her a drink in her apartment. And 
He says, it seems like you didn't get anywhere with your friend. And Clarice says, you know, since Fred died. So obviously now we know that it's been mm-hmm. some time. Mm-hmm. Sylvia's changed a lot and she seems really bitter. And she used to confide with me all the time. And now she seems hell bent in self-destroying. And Louise is like, that's really super tragic about Fred. <laughs> Ser papado por una planta, which is, that's such a... <laughs> sound like yes yeah it's just so fun to say but he says she's choosing to recluse herself so that's kind of her own problem right Mm. and clarice again being a really Mm -hmm. good friend is she defends her and is like you know, she's going through it, but also I think there's more there than meets the eye, is what Clarice says. I loved this Me so too. much. I, first of all, in my notes, didn't know her name. So I was like, yeah, look into it, Blondie, because I <laughs> fucking didn't know her name. But the fact that she calls Sylvia and is like, you don't need to you don't need to pull yourself away from your life like just yeah. take, like you said take that leave of absence right here the guy is like oh too fucking bad and 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 Clarice is like well i don't know like she 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 is so sensible and just she trying to look out for, for her, her friend, friend. Yeah. i love her me too so it's nighttime and we're at Sylvia's house and she's having trouble sleeping. She's tossing and turning. And then we smash cut to a lover's lane where a couple is making out in a car. And from the darkness, here comes Sylvia in like an open robe and, and uh. like a bra and underwear. And then the camera switches to a POV shot. And it seems to approach the couple in the car and it opens the door very quickly. And the lady that's been that was making out, she screams. And then we cut to the uh, police precinct in Rio de Janeiro. So we're like, what? What What just happened? Yeah. But in this police precinct, we meet two detectives. And I called one, one of them. I called Detective Mustache. Classic. We always have a, yeah. <laughs> we always have we a detective it. mustache. <laughs> but then I also have Detective Spit Curl, who has a spit curl on his forehead. Was that uh Pacheco? Pacheco, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Got it. So Pacheco, <laughs> aka Spit Curl. Spit Curl, yeah. Uh, they're arguing about these two crimes that have that have happened in less than two months in the city, which are Fredji and then these two this makeout couple in the car. And Spit Curl says that the modus operandi, it looks like the both crimes were committed by the same person and that the bodies were left with not a single drop of blood. So Spit Curl is like, it's fucking vampires, vampiros, vampiros. The other detective mustache is he's like the captain and he's like, shut up. You say, okay, he's been in Calaboca. He's so angry at him. (laughs) (laughs) It's so funny. Yep. So we see an intertitle, Dois Meses Depois, two months later. A car drives up to Sylvia's house and the man inside, Rogério, honks his horn and Sylvia comes out and she's like, how did you find me here? I've isolated myself because I want to be left alone. Like, uh. la dramática de esta señora. She was wonderfully dramatic, I must say, yeah, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. She really was committed to it, and I, Absolutely. I I loved it. And 
I'm going to just say here, there was a moment in this film where I literally had to pause and be Uh like, I'm watching the wrong movie because I was like, this is called The Seven Vampires. And so far, a plant has eaten somebody. There's been like what I will call like a lover's lane murder, maybe. And I was like, I am watching the wrong film. So I looked up on IMDb. What is this movie about? And then I was like, oh, no, no, I'm this is it. This is the one. This is the movie. And also at this point, I was like, okay, so it is a vampire film. I actually was like this idea that a plant is like a vampire plant. Yeah, sure. Like a blood sucking plant or whatever. Sylvia seems to have been affected by this plant. And I was like, oh, the plant. This is what I thought at this point. The plant has turned Sylvia into a vampire. Mm-hmm. And like when she walked out, I was like, oh, she can be in the sunlight because she, she she comes out and it's daytime. Like nothing. Yeah. And I was like, I kind of like this Daywalker vibe on the like on the exactly on like mm-hmm. the vampire story. Like, oh, it was a plant that turns you into a vampire and you can be out in the daytime. Chlorophyll, borophyll. And I was just like. <laughs> And I couldn't have been more wrong. Absolutely. Absolutely. I could totally not wrong. have been more fucking wrong. Wow. Also, let me ask you this now that we're having this conversation. Uh, uh-huh. Sure, sure. What time period did you think this movie was in? <laughs> wow. I'm going to say 50s. Okay. I'm going to reveal to you because it is set in the 50s. Okay. I'm going to reveal to you when I figured out that it was set in the 50s. Because I thought 80s, and then I was like, 70s maybe? Like, we've got a ways to go. But when the time comes, I'll tell you when I was like, oh, I think this movie's from the 50s, dude. Why do I think I already know what moment you're (laughs) going to talk about? And also, I am saying I think it's the 50s, having watched the entire film now. At this point, had you asked me? Three different (laughs) times. I would have been like, I don't fucking know. At this point where we're at, where Rogerio arrives at Sylvia's house, I thought, oh, this is just the 80s. This is just the year that we were. It's yeah. the 80s. So again, <laughs> Sylvia's like, I've isolated myself because I want to be left alone. And Rogerio's like, listen, I have to talk to you. So they go for a walk in the garden. And he tells her that she's become bitter and aggressive and things need to change. And he owns Uma Boachi. A Boachi is a nightclub, basically. Mm-hmm. And the Boachi is not doing very well since gambling was banned. And so he's got some ideas that could help it out. But he needs somebody to carry these ideas out. And that Sylvia would be great for it. But Sylvia is not interested. She's like, no, how you've wasted your time. Go fuck yourself. Okay. Now we're at a naked fucking photo shoot, dude. <laughs> This is absolutely unnecessary, but massively entertaining at the same time. I'm going to breeze by it, but Clarice is... No, that's not <laughs> no. my point. I'm just like, I, you must include this. Yes. But I was just like, why are... Like, we basically get 
a magazine spread in this movie of Clarice looking fabulous. Fabulous. Butt ass naked, greased from head to toe. <laughs> she is literally wearing Italian dressing. Like it is grease central. Clarice is posing for that guy, Louise, and he weirdly comes as he's taking her photo. He's like, give me this face. Yes, yes, yes. Click. And I'm like, okay, guy. Oh, no. And also she's like, Ooh, ah. <laughs> Pero the, th- I, I, the thing about this fucking dude who, I mean, I don't think he's very important in this film, but as he's taking pictures of her, he kept saying, I don't remember what is in Portuguese, but he kept saying, think of me. Think of me in your pictures. Like, uh-huh. Pensing me. Pensing me. Ew. No, <laughs> sir. I won't. <laughs> the funniest thing is we get full nude shots of her obviously she's sitting on a chair she's doing a pilates v like legs up. i'm just like ma'am and Squeeze but that core. also the faces she's making are so smiley and goofy oh she's like holding a towel up and she drops it and she's like oh <laughs> smile and i'm just like ma'am okay I also was ready for them to show us this man nude. I was like, I'm ready because Clarice is embolas. Embolas. And so I was like, okay, sir, step it up. Where are you? Show Where, us the pain. Show us the dick. <laughs> we need to see the dick. There was none. There was none. There was Zero no dick, dick. present. Nope. Nary a dick in sight. Back to Sylvia. It's nighttime, and she literally, we went from the scene where she's like, no, Rogerio, fuck off, naked Clarice, and then Sylvia, next shot, her calling Rogerio saying, you know what, I changed my mind. Yeah, we're Uh, good. I'll help you with your boachi. I've got a ballet that goes perfectly with your nightclub, A Dança das Sete Vampiras. And here we are. This is the reveal that, the movie is never going to be about a vampire. That the title Asechi Vampiras has to do with the dance that Sylvia has choreographed for this nightclub. That's it. <laughs> now, I don't hate it. No. I was like, you know, look, love a vampire film. Yeah. But, okay, first of all, just like bringing in this Rogerio, this is this man's Rogerio, name. Rogerio, Rogerio. Bringing in Rogerio, who's like, stop being a hermit out here, wherever you live. <laughs> yeah. Come work for me on my nightclub. First of all, I was like, what? <laughs> Just what? What is yeah. this twist? But then I was like, wait, it makes sense. Because remember, Silvia was with Clarice. I believe she's a dancer of yeah. some sorts. Yeah. So I was like, oh, Mm-hmm. It, in a very weird fucking way, this all makes sense. So after this phone call, Sylvia is painting, question mark, listening to Glenn, Mirror, uh, Glenn Miller. Do, 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 do. Oh, lovely. Just Golden Girls is all I can think of. <laughs> yes. Lightning strikes, a wolf howls, and suddenly Sylvia starts to freak the fuck out, like just like the night when she was tossing and turning and that couple got killed. She slams all her art stuff to the ground and we get this up close shot of her face and she's in pain. And like, I think it's meant to be a transformation on her face. Yeah. But it's so slight that it just looks like you know how when you put glue on your hand and it makes 
makes the skin wrinkly. Literally what I was going to say. But the thing was, it was so subtle. And I was like, what? Why is she like slightly wrinkled? <laughs> that's what it was. And I had to go back because I was like, wait, I can't tell if that's just this woman's face in close up or if they it literally looks like they put glue on her face. So she looks yeah. kind of wrinkly and it kind of creeped me out. I'm yeah, not going to lie. Weird. I was like, Ugh, I can't tell if this is just <laughs> bad quality because, you know, this movie's old. Or if this is what they intended. And if they did, I mean, I think that is what they intended. I think they did intend it to be a semi-transformation situation. Yeah, and she, again, like we said before, is very committed to this kind of like dramatic, these dramatics. Yes. I was uh, like, I don't get what's going on, but I am feeling it. You're giving me something. So totally, you know, yeah, I'll take it. Now we're on the streets and we see an old woman walking home at night. And on the lit wall that she passes in front of, a shadow of two hands appear as if coming to get her. Ugh. So now we're back at the police precinct. And Detective Mustache is telling his crew that eight people have been murdered. Damn. But they haven't done anything about it. So we're going to put 20 men on the case to catch this damn vampire, which spit curl slash Pacheco seems to be very validated for him to hear like the captain say vampire. He's like, that's what I said. And I suggested. So it's right. And he tells his men, the captain tells his men that he wants a report every day. Relatando ching ching por ching ching, which is such a Brazilian thing to say. This is why you should always do the Brazil (laughs) movies, because you fucking catch this shit that I'm like, huh? I don't I because you lived there so much longer than I did. I did. You still have such a gr- a really good grasp on the language. Yeah. You catch this shit that I'm like, I totally <laughs> gloss over. Ching, ching, po, ching, ching, ching. It's so <laughs> cute. I love it. Uh, but basically what that means, what ching, ching, po, ching, ching means is like he wants like every stone unturned. Like he wants a fucking detailed report of what's going on. And Spit Curl asks Detective Mustache to be put on the case because he's like, I'm in homicide. Like, I want to do this. And he's like, listen, I can work alone. I have a bunch of theories. But fucking Mustache is like, nah, you're too much trouble. But send me Ancho Saco. Like, get out of here. Again, me Ancho Saco. Love that. So now we're at auditions for the Sechi Vampiras ballet. We see two women in thongs and pasties and they're growling and bearing their vampire fangs. And Sylvia's like, yes, you've done great. You are hired. Thank you for being <laughs> in our ballet. <laughs> and Rogério comes in with a man, a young man, and he's like, Sylvia, meet Bobby Hyde, Bob Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> Meet Bobby Hyde. Uh, he's going to be the singer of our show. And you're like, great. Very cute. Love it. Bob Ryder. <laughs> Bob Ryder. Here we go. So now we're at the Boachi, which, you know, we say nightclub, but even then you picture like a dance floor and stuff. But this seems more like a dinner theater type vibe. Uh, yes, totally. <laughs> There's a stage, there is a show going on. Exactly. So a show begins and it's a very racially insensitive number Uh. of a man that comes out called Fu Manchu. 
you can imagine where we go from here. And it is very weird. This guy is played by the main, like the first doctor in Segredo da Mumia, the one that's collecting all the maps and shit like that. Yes. It's played by that dude. So once that's over, the real reason we're here begins. A Dança das Sete Vampiras. And we hear a narrator telling the story as some people get on the stage. And it's a young prince in search of his beloved Nayara. But he doesn't realize that he's right by Dracula's lair. And he falls asleep in a satyr? Satyr? How do I pronounce that? I S- was hoping you would know. because <laughs> An S-A-T-Y-R. Sat- satyr. Satyr? We'll say un satyr. Um Satir (laughs) comes by. He's been standing there the whole time and he comes to life. He drops off his flute. And when the the prince awakes, he toots the flute and he brings (laughs) back his beloved Nayara. And de repente, here comes the Sechi Vampiras and they appear. But turns out one of the vampiras is Nayara. And... The vampiras are all topless, but wearing underwear, and they have these gauzy capes, and they run around the prince over and over, and the narrator says, nothing human is left of Nayara. She's transformed into uma mulher demonio, a demon woman, sedenta de sangue, thirsty for blood. And he says, blood of the man that she once loved. So the Sechi Vampiras hold down this, the prince as Nayara chomps down on his neck. Seu maior prazer é chupar sangue. Her biggest pleasure is sucking blood. In the middle of the dance backstage, we see Sylvia run into a dark corner. She seems afraid of something which we never see very dramatic and she like pushes open a secret door and sneaks into a hidden room it seems okay back to the ballet the narrator says that the vampiras return to their tombs and the crowd erupts in applause they fucking love this show and then the narrator says watch out one of them may be next to you mas não se preocupe aquele sangue é ketchup Don't worry, that blood is ketchup. Okay. Can I also just say that in my subtitles, they said cats up, which is oh, yeah. just like, I, okay. I, I, shut up. <laughs> Ridiculous. But also at some point during that whole uh, dance ballet with the satir, whatever, they, in the subtitles, it called these ladies the Transylvania Follies. And I was like... <laughs> When I'm telling you, the minute I saw that title, I'd be like, oh, I would fucking watch that show. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Hilarious. Backstage, Rogério sneaks into one of the Vampira dancer dressing rooms and she's in there like de makeup being like getting cleaned up. And she says, isn't it risky for you to be here? No one knows about our romance. We'll see each other tonight. But then Sylvia approaches the dressing room door from the outside and she starts to eavesdrop. And he's like, oh, I don't want one night or a week. Don't you understand? I'm in love with you. And it seems like she looks right into the camera. I don't think she was meant to, but she Uh looks down the barrel. 
And she's like, I can't trust your words. You're the type of guy that has a lot of ladies. And he's like, what do I have to do to prove to you that I love you? And she says, you know what you have to do. And Rogério says he's going to talk to his lawyer and that all of this, the boachi, everything will be hers. But Silvia is apparently now his business partner. The woman uh, who her name, sorry, is Yvette. Yvette says, but what about Sylvia? But we never get the answer because they start to make out. And you're like, oh, OK. Oh, I see. I mean, Are I don't. Are you connecting things? It's just, com- yeah, it, OK. What we're supposed to see as the audience watching this film is uh-huh. Sylvia eavesdropping at the door as Rogerio's new business partner, and we overhear Rogerio telling this young Ivechi, is that her name? Ivechi, yeah. That it will all be hers because he loves her. So what I, I assume what we're supposed to think is like, oh, Silvia has heard about their plan and she is going to exact her revenge, for lack of a better phrase, I guess. That's that's sure. the, that's what I got. I think that's what they're trying to have us believe that, Mm -hmm. oh, he's betraying me and leaving everything to her. Mm -hmm. But we'll see. Now we see an intertitle that says, Horas depois, hours later. Rogério and Ivete arrive at his place, but it seems that someone has followed them. And we see a hooded person with a horrible white frowny (gasps) mask That was horrible, right? Okay, this, again, the quality of the version I saw was very bad. So the moment I saw, I just saw like a flash of white and I thought, ooey. Yeah, ooey. I don't like it. I didn't like it either. And he's holding a knife and I'm going to refer to this hooded person as Uvampiro because this is what everybody thinks is the vampire that's killing everyone. So as Rogério gets ready, he's listening to Frank Sinatra's The Lady is a Tramp, and we get a gratuitous, uh, many gratuitous shots of the naked Yvette showering, which was very similar to Segredo da Mumia when that lady was showering. I was like, yes. oh, we just need a shot of a lady showering. Yep. And the vampiro lurks outside of the window. And Rogério goes to open it and he's like, whoa. And we get another POV shot of us as the vampiro approaching his apartment. And Rogério's like, you here? No, no, é possível. it's not possible. I'll do anything. Please don't kill me. And Yvette is finishing getting ready. She kind of doesn't hear anything. And she comes outside Ready to fuck because she's like, I'm nice and clean. What you wanted, just like you wanted me to be exactly. And she heads over to Rogério, who's lying face down on the bed. She flips him over, and Rogério's dead, throat sliced. Pretty Mm -hmm. gross and gnarly, too. Yeah, good job. So now we see Sylvia having a meeting with the performances at the Boachi, and she's letting them know, listen, we're going to be closed for three days to mourn Rogério, uh, but we'll come back for the show soon. In a car, Bobby, <laughs> remember the singer? <laughs> Bob Ryder. Bob Ryder is driving Clarice around. And I'm like, oh, are, are they a thing now? Like, what's, why, what? Okay. 
And they're talking about Sylvia and Clarice is like, she's being acting weird. And isn't it weird that her husband is killed and then her business partner too? Very strange. Mm. And then we see in the cemetery that Yvette is visiting Rogério's grave. Quando de repente, here comes the vampiro. And he's running through the fucking uh, columbariums and shit and like body <laughs> shelves and graves and down the aisles. And he's chasing Yvette through the cemetery until she escapes. Smash cut to a private detective, Raimundo Marlo's office. He's reading a detective comic and he's getting his cuticles cut by his secretary, Maria. Which he's totally involved with because, like, two seconds later, they are making out on his desk. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> they work together. Just, again, massively Guys. inappropriate. But, again, you know, I guess Brazil in 86, sure, But whatever. I also think this is the same vibe as in Segredo da Múmia, how we had the, the duo detective reporters. Yeah. So yes. I think that's his sure. the thing he does, Ivan Cardoso. Yeah. In comes Ivete. Você tem que me ajudar. Um vampiro quer me pegar. You have to help me. A vampire is trying to get me. Ivete sits down. She tells her full story. And she says, I want to hire you, Detective Raimundo. And he says, great. I'll be your shadow for 24 hours a day. So we go to the Boachi again. And we get, <laughs> we get a full T to B, top to bottom, four minute song by Bob Ryder. <laughs> Bob Ryder e seus cometas. Bob Ryder and his comets. One of the lines is São como vampiras numa fita de terror. Elas querem meu coração, mas isso eu não dou. Which means they're like vampires in a horror movie. They want my heart, but I'm not gonna give it to them. It's okay, so, Bob. It's a fun little Bob. He looks it very is. Buddy Holly esque, yeah. like yeah, fifties vibes. Again, see everything else. It's the fifties stuff is sprinkled throughout, but it's not the main look of it everything yeah. still looks very 70s so i'm just like oh this is just a costume that everybody's that's what wearing. i thought at yeah. this point i had not put it put two and two together that this took i, I think takes place in the 50s i yeah. just like you thought oh they're doing like a throwback number exactly and because the song is like it doesn't sound like a 50s song. But he's doing like Elvis moves and, you yeah, know. Yeah, hips and legs and shit. The look is 50s, you know. Totally. And also now it seems like official that Clarice is with Bob because she's backstage blowing him kisses and being like, hello, Bobby. Sure. Uh but then in that same, because it's, a, again, a four-minute section of this fucking song, we see Louise tonguing down some other hoe in the fucking boache. So you're like, okay, well. Maybe just to establish that Clarice and Louise are not a thing anymore? I guess so. Maybe, sure. Because I, I wonder if they were even a thing. I mean, I wonder if he was just like, I'm here to photograph your naked ass. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So who knows? <laughs> oh boy! Also, one of his backup guys, uh, Bob Ryder's backup guys, is blindfolded. What was that, dude? <laughs> I, 
I don't know. Because it wasn't blindfold. It was Zorro mask. So there, oh. there were holes in his eyes. But still, that doesn't explain anything. Just one of them. Only one. <laughs> and there were four of them. It was so weird. So in between the acts, Detective Mahlo gives uh, the waitress his business card. And he tells her, can you give this to Ivechi? I'm supposed to meet her. And when the waitress goes to get his drink, Sylvia is standing there and she's like, who's that guy? And the waitress says, well, supposedly he's going to meet Ivechi later. And Sylvia seems suspicious of him. And she takes the business card from the waitress and keeps it. On stage, we see another naked lady. This is Dora Valdez, and she does a sassy, off-the-beat striptease. <laughs> and I was like, girl, you're not on. It's like, come on, off-beat. Pero okay. Okay. In Ivechi's dressing room, she's not there, but Detective Mahlo is, like, looking through her shit. And then he goes over to this Igor-looking motherfucker that is, like, the doorman of the back, like, the, the backstage doorman, it seems. And the detective is like, okay, by the way, I just want to clear some stuff up. So we have several detectives. There's the po- actual right. police detectives. Uh, which are mustache and spit curl Pacheco. This detective is a more is a private investigator. Yes, and he well, spit curl is a goof at goofball to the max. Yeah, but this detective, this uh, what did you just call him? Like Mahlo. A, Mahlo. He's he's giving you like goofy, handsome comedy vibes too. Which is kind of ridiculous. It, it was, yeah. it worked and didn't work at the same time. You know what I mean? He was more supposed to be like inept guy. Yes. You know, yes. like kind yeah. of bad at his job. And Maria, his secretary slash lover, she seems to be the brains of the operation. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Mahlo is talking to this Igor fucking motherfucker in the back of the door. Who, by the way, a- this is fucking Igor from Segredo oh da Mumia. Dude, I just put it together. Same bald ass guy. Holy shit. Singing opera. A singing opera. Yeah. Same. Wow. Same wow, guy. Wow. 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 Yep. Wow. 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 <laughs> okay. And I'm pretty sure we called him Igor. Igor. Yeah. 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 Igor. Okay. So. <laughs> Mahlo asks Igor if he saw Ivechi leave, and Igor's like, "Ah, oh, no, she must have left when I went to the bathroom. Also, she's bad news bears. I don't like her. Rogerio died because of her. Oh, if I could only, I would kill her, I think. And it's, Whoa. he was very angry and violent towards her. Yes. So Mahlo goes home and he tells, because I guess him and Maria also live together. Uh, and he tells the secretary, Maria, the secretary, that Ivechi disappeared. Even though they had an appointment to meet at the back doors of the Boachi at a certain time, she never showed up. Later on, a custodian is cleaning a pool, which I think is meant to be part of the Boachi. So this nightclub has a random pool in it or buy it or who knows. And he finds a woman floating face down in the water and it's Ivech. Over at the private investigator's office, Mahlo and Maria are listening to a radio report saying, basically giving us the news of Ivech's death. 
And this is where I realized that we're in the 50s because Maria is wearing these glasses that are like cat eye glasses. And yeah. I, so I'm obviously I'm here in California and I went to visit my friend Abel in his house. And I was like, do you mind if we watch this weird Brazilian movie? Because my friend Abel is from Portugal, so he would understand Portuguese. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> this moment <laughs> happened and not gonna i'll be open and honest i definitely was stoned at this point and i was Mm -hmm. like abel is this set in the 50s and he goes (laughs) he goes yeah girl in the beginning the police officer said it's 1955 and we're living in huge janeiro and we're the best police in the world and i was like i did not hear that not for a moment did i hear that but good job abel for catching on and this was also the moment for me where i thought <laughs> oh cat eye glasses 50s the 50s and we're and we are like about 30 minutes left in this film we're really smart over here at uike horror just in yeah. case you didn't realize already we're on we top gotta- of it we got a strong noodle in, in here. It's not just a hat rack, guys. Uh, <laughs> so Mahlo is disappointed in himself because he was like, oh, I told her I was going to follow her 24-7. I was going to be her shadow. And then now she's dead. And Maria says, you know what? I know exactly what to do. And she rips off her fucking gla- 50s glasses, smash cut to a dressing room in the Boachi. And Maria is dressed as a maid, a French maid for some reason. But sure. sure. Same as fucking Segredo da Mumia with, with that maid costume. Loves yes, exactly. one of these like maid costumes. Yeah. Totally. In comes Hina, who is <gasps> the hat check lady, and she is an old bitty, like una senora, but like teeny tiny, really thin, like rail thin, smoking cigarettes. So Hina comes in and she's also dressed in her French maid outfit, uh, even though she's a hat check lady and she's a feisty little old lady. And she's like, no, don't come here with this serious face. Tell me, are you a virgin? And it's like, oh, ma'am, can I you relax? You. I've just met you. And now here comes Spit Curl to talk to Sylvia. And he's like, oh, it's me, Pacheco. I'm with the homicide unit in the in the precinct of Rio de Janeiro. I'm here to investigating the murders of the vampire. Uh, and it turns out your Boachi has two deaths like linked to them precisely. So, you know. You're kind of a suspect, man. Let's talk. Yeah. And Sylvia's like, well, do I have something for you that might interest you? But not in a good way. Like, she is obviously planting stuff to, like, lead him away from this. And she opens a little box and she hands him Mahlo's business card from earlier that she got from the waitress. And she tells Spit Curl that this guy was looking for Yvette last night in the night mm. of the crime. So back with Mahlo, and he's reading his heavy Shinji Detective, his detective comic, and he gets a call from Maria the Boachi, and she's like, listen, Spit Curl was here to talk to Sylvia, so I think we're on the right track because he's a homicide detective. And when Mahlo hungs up, who's walking into his office? fucking spit curl and he's like (laughs) listen where were you on the night of Yvette's murder and Mahlo is like listen I was at the Boachi until 2am you can ask the porteiro the Igor the the doorman 
Back at the boache, Maria is snooping through Sylvia's office when somebody suddenly comes in and she hides behind a curtain and it's the vampiro. And the phone rings and the vampiro answers the phone and thank goodness that there's an extra phone behind the curtain where Maria is. So she picks up and hears what's going on on this phone call. And the voice on the call says, meet me at midnight at Praça Paraíso. And Maria later on calls Mahlo and is like, listen, we got to go to this Praça Paraíso. Somebody's meeting this vampiro. And he says, great, I'll meet you at the Boache at 11 p.m. and we'll go from there. Cool. It's 11 p.m. and Mahlo is at the Boache waiting for Maria. Meanwhile, Silvia urgently calls Clarice over and she's like, Mira, not Mira, but all I saw. I got to go somewhere. I got to go do a thing. So can you please, you know, take care of the Boachi while I'm gone? And Clarice, again, great friend, is so concerned and is like, of course, I'll take care of everything. Are you OK? Is everything OK? And Silvia's like, I got to go. Goodbye. See you later. And Clarice says, confie in me. Okay, trust me, which we all do. Clarice, you're the best. She's got it. Meanwhile, Maria tells Hina, I got to head out too because, you know, I got to do a thing. And Hina's like, well, 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 turns out you've been only working here a day and you're already meeting men on the job. Good for you. A gente tem que aproveitar o nosso corpo enquanto <laughs> ele está legal, which means we have to we have to take advantage of our bodies yeah. while they're still good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Sylvia gets in her car and drives off. Mahlo and Maria get in their car. They also drive off. But behind them, following them, who's driving also? Fucking spit curl. So the whole gang is in a car or in their own cars driving. We're five minutes to midnight. Finally, Mahlo and Maria park and they get out to find a spot to look out into this weird meeting we're going to see. Spit Curl spots Mahlo's car and he says, Aí está o carro daquele detetive Michuruca. And Michuruca is basically a word of like, like a, a low quality something. So like if you say, ah, oh. this, this, these pants are Michuruca. These are low quality pants kind oh, of Oh, sure. Wow. So this detective. I don't remember that one. Kind of shit. Mm-hmm. And finally, here comes the last car, which we all think, oh, maybe it's Sylvia. Nope. It's Louise, the fucking creepy ex-boyfriend of Clarice photographer. From behind the trees, the vampiro approaches him ready to attack. But Louise came with a gun and he threatens the vampiro saying, no quero matala. Now, here is something where we put together maybe clues because of how gendered uh, Portuguese can be. Uh -huh, also Spanish uh -huh. also. Yeah. So he says, I don't want to kill you, which if you say it in English, you can't tell if it's girl or boy mm -hmm, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if you say, não quero matá-la, it means I don't want to kill you, lady. Yes. If it was a man, he would say, não quero matá-lo. 
this is a way to be like, oh, maybe we know who it is. Yeah, we are to assume this Mm -hmm. vampire is a lady. Correct. Mm -hmm. And he says to the vampire, I want a million dollars or I'm going to reveal your true identity. And we see Mahlo and Maria are watching this. And then when we turn back to Louise threatening the fucking vampiro, the vampiro is slicing Louise's throat. This was the first, because again, low quality version I saw. This was the Uh first time I got a good shot of the mask of Uh the vampiro. And it gave me Stormtrooper vibes. Oh. <laughs> Just like large, lower jaw, white. Like, it, because the mask, like, gets larger as it goes down. It's very and long. And I was like, it made me think of a fucking Stormtrooper. That's sure. the vibes this mask gave me. Totally. So Louise gets his throat cut. The vampiro runs away. And Spit Curl is climbing up the fucking hill and he's like, hey, you. And he shoots at the at the vampiro who is already bolted. Mahlo runs after the vampiro, too. But the vampiro has gone at her house. Sylvia is unwell. Oh, boy. (laughs) She's pouring herself what looks like more of the antidote from the bottle Mm -hmm. that we saw in the beginning. But that doesn't seem to be helping because she's growling. Her face is starting to look weirder than before. A little bit more of a transformation here. Now you can tell, oh, yes, things are changing. Things are bad. She growls some more and she falls to the ground. In Mahlo's and Maria's bedroom, they're like, I'm pretty sure it's Sylvia. Sylvia is the killer. Because why would Louise call Sylvia's office to be like, meet me at Praça Paraíso? Like, that's weird, right? Right. So, (laughs) very quickly, we get a really random scene of the doorman, Igor, listening to opera. I was like, is he going to sing opera now? (laughs) It'd be hilarious if he did. But it's him slicing salami and then feeding it into a little like pocket of terror that we eventually realize is a black cat that is so black <laughs> you can't see it. <laughs> Until he opens his little eyes and you're like, ah, there's a cat there. A cat. Yep. It was very mm-hmm. cute, actually. <laughs> so an intertitle appears saying, Na noite seguinte, the following night. Dora Valdez, the woman that was offbeat strip teasing, <laughs> she's swimming in the pool. And Again, is this part of the Boachi? I don't get it. Also, girl, somebody just drowned in there or died in there or murdered and was murdered in there. What the fuck are you doing? Don't be swimming in that fucking pool. And de repente, here comes the vampiro and he is his big cape is flowing behind him and she screams for help. Nothing. Maria and he are walking through the club hallways by a curtain when Maria suddenly gets pulled behind it and it's Mahlo and he's like, listen, we got to do some investigating here. And then they hear an announcement that Spit Curl wants to talk to the entire staff of the Boachi and he lets everybody know, listen, the homicide department is has decided to shut down the Boachi because this is crazy. We need to solve this mystery. Estão todos no olho da rua. The phrase translates to that you are all on the eye of the street. But technically that means you're all fired, basically. So Clarice is at the Boachi and she's 
calling out for Sylvia, trying to check in on her, I think, in her office. And she's calling, Sylvia, Sylvia, are you okay? Where are you? And she approaches a tiny pocket of terror and two red eyes shine from the darkness. Clarice screams, she faints, and the vampiro comes out of this pocket of terror and steps over her and locks her in this room. Back to Mahlo and Maria, they're walking through the backstage now when Igor, the the doorman, stumbles by with a fucking knife in his back. Bye. (laughs) Meanwhile, Hina, who was shot down by the spit curl earlier, he was like, Mm -hmm. hey, what's up? And she's like, let's go fuck. And he's like, nah, I'm good. She gets (laughs) revenge by calling the cops on him, saying that he's a taradu. He's like a a fucking weird creepo. The perv who's spying on people. So the fuzz swarms in on him, pick him up and carry him off. Okay. Back to Mahlo and Maria. They are now separated because he fell on a bunch of backstage rope. And Maria's like, don't worry, I'll go look for help. When suddenly a gloved hand grabs Mahlo. And now Maria's searching through the club for him because he she can't find him. Finally, she finds him shackled to some like old timey racks, I guess. Sure. Is that what that's yeah. called? Yeah, absolutely. Also, so weird. The gloved hand thing here in this ridiculous movie. I was like, this is giving me borderline like slasher giallo vibes. Yeah. With the fucking gloved hand, the knife and everything. I this movie is everywhere. Everywhere. And this part in particular where we are bouncing from one person to another to another to another. And you're like, I am listening to you so intently right now because I'm just like. (laughs) Follow the ball. Like, it's just so much is happening at the same time. It is madness. Crazy. So Maria finds Mahalo shackled to a rack and she's like, what the fuck is going on here? And he goes, the vampiro. And here comes the vampiro into the room, attacks Maria. Back to Clarice, she wakes up from being fainted and she's in the in her locked room and she's like banging on the door screaming, socorro, socorro, when Bob Ryder comes by and he's like, oh girl, he breaks down the door, <laughs> saves her, and then they hear a scream. So they follow the scream, it's the <laughs> vampiro attacking Maria. And so Bob goes, pulls the vampiro off of Maria who is about to stab her. But then the vampiro runs over to Clarice. He grabs her and kidnaps her and takes her down a hallway or something. Bob runs after her. Maria undoes Mahalo's chains and they go after her too. And what about Sylvia, you might be asking? Well, her face is totally busted now and she is (laughs) stumbling through the halls of her house question mark i don't know where, where the fuck she where, is where, where are we are we <laughs> back to the vampiro turns out they might be on a rooftop now because there's a moon out there girl Dude. maria mahlo and bob catch up to the fucking vampiro who has a knife up to clarice's neck she pulls off the white mask from the vampiro's face and we reveal that it was fragile all along and can you believe i can't believe i mean i can i kind of figured it out early on oh i absolutely did not not for a second no no 
you were wanting it to be Sylvia? I was like, it can't be Sylvia because, again, she's wandering the hallways as an old woman now. For yeah, so I, what's going the, on? The notes here at the end was question mark, question mark, question mark. <laughs> I was so lost. But Sylvia is an old woman now wandering the halls yeah, of some face. establishment. And I was like, who the fuck is the vamp? I honestly, for a second, was like, maybe there's like a psychic connection between like this old woman, Sylvia, and this is Sylvia underneath the stormtrooper <laughs> vampire mask. I did not fucking know. So Fredgy was Fredgy. a reveal. Right, it was a reveal to me. I'm so Absolutely. glad you you had a, a fun reveal. <laughs> uh, and is looking rough, dude. Half Ooh. of his face is fully toxic Avenger. Like it's just yeah. postules and like pussy. Like there, it's literally bubbling. Like it's yes. so gross. And like it would they they did a good job out. with that. Yeah, like, they did. With that, like a boil that's just like uh, it's, it. It looks like it's breathing. Yeah, Ugh, it's Ew. so fucking gross. Disgusting. He's about to stab Clarice when bang, and then bang, and then another bang. And who is it? It's fucking Sylvia with her old lady face. (laughs) And we finally get an explanation for everything, which isn't a great explanation. Give it to Uh, me. Sylvia falls to the ground, I think officially, like, having succumbed to her horrible plant wounds that she, the antidote, I think she ran out of, but Mm. Fredgy explains that the only way that he could survive was through a lot of transfusions from the people that he killed. And also since Sylvia got hurt with the plant, he didn't have time to prepare a more antidote. And since there's no cure to this horrible ailment that they got from this pant, from this plant, he, the transfusions were only palliative, which, listen, I had to Google because a bitch oh, ain't smart. And it that? says here palliative means relieving pain without dealing with the cause of the condition. So just like, oh. like put a cream on it and hopefully it'll be fine. Hope for the best. Thing. And that's what yeah. he was doing by murdering people, taking their bud, taking blood, their blood, putting the blood in him. And like it would temporarily make him feel OK. Correct. Yes. Got it. And then he takes one last breath after saying, how can I live without my life? How can I live without my soul? You are my life. You are my soul, a.k.a. Sylvia, who is now Mm. dead also on the ground. He takes one last breath and dies next to Sylvia. (laughs) Clarice and Bob are on Sylvia's side. Clarice is a mess. She is crying. Her friend died. She's so upset. Mm-hmm. Mahlo, Mahlo and Maria are on the other side. They're also like, whoa, I can't believe those, this, all this happened. In comes Spit Curl. <laughs> and he says, Que porra é essa? Todo mundo encana. Which means, what the fuck is going on here? Everybody's going to jail. Fiend do feel me. <laughs> Just uh, a slow clap for fucking bringing us in to the madness. end of that movie. Wait, madness. wait, 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 wait. Okay, uh-huh. so. Oh, boy. Fredgy was bitten by this carnivorous plant, which infected him. He never died. He was infected. He got these horrible boils. He murdered a bunch of people in order to steal their blood to make himself feel feel better, palliative, whatever. Cool, got it. (laughs) Yeah. La Silvia, she 
knew that Freddy was still alive? Did they know? Because remember the phone call. Were they in cahoots? I th- see. This was never said. Who do you think the phone call was? The one that Maria overhears. That's Louise. That was Louise saying, "Meet me at the Praça." Oh, for oh, to, because Louise was like, "I'm going to reveal your yeah. identity," but and Louise thought, thought that it, it was, was Sylvia. Sylvia, but it wasn't. So it's possible that Sylvia. I mean, I think, no, she probably thought that he was dead because she was so like, oh, my life, I'm so sad, whatever, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so sh- she was trying to take the antidote and was running out or it wasn't working. And so she basically withered away into an yeah. old woman. I don't know if it's what? old woman. I think it was just like the same thing that he had a horrible skin condition. I think uh-huh. she was just having a horrible skin condition. Sure. sure I don't sure, think sure. it was necessarily. She was like wasting away, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> okay. yep. Okay. Nicely done. Nicely done. <laughs> uh, what what a film. Let's let's get into some trivia. Absolutely. <laughs> Oh, my God. Okay, so this is my trivia for today. First of all, this is from Wikipedia. Let's talk about actress Nicole Puzzi. I assume that's how you pronounce this last name, P-U-Z-Z-I. She played Silvia. Mm -hmm. And her full name is Teresa Nicole Puzzi Ferreira. 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 She was born May 17th of 1958, (gasps) so she is a... Taurus, just like Miss Eileen Clark. <laughs> she is a Brazilian actress, presenter, sure, presenter and sociologist. Cool. She is of Italian descent and she, <laughs> rude, she was once considered a sex symbol and, uh, wow, <laughs> wow, and porno chanchada star, which I always want to say porno chanchada. I know, porno chanchada. So she was the daughter of farmers from Paraná, which is a city in Florai. Is that how you say that? Yeah. Florai. Okay. Apologies if that is incorrect. She left home at age 17 and moved to Sao Paulo in the 70s. Before becoming an actress, Nicole was a model. She worked in the circus. Cool. And in shows with the group Us Trapalhões. Oh my God, yes! I was hoping you would know that what, what that was. Love the Trapalhões. What was that? Is it a kid's they thing? Were, they were four, like, clown dudes that not dressed Uh up as clowns but they were like comedians very slapstick very physical Uh comedy and it was Dede Gigi Musum and Zacarias were the four Uh guys and they had a show thank you I mean I was obsessed they had a show on TV they made a bunch of movies they made a bunch of movies with Xuxa and stuff like that amazing Xuxa Xuxa Trapalhões contra o Baixo Astral which is Xuxa and the Trapalhões against the bad feelings no, baixo <laughs> astral means like feeling low. It's like oh, got it, got it, got it. Yeah. The astral plane. <laughs> the astral plane. Shusha versus the astral plane. I would watch that. Oh my okay. god, it's such a good movie. I we would I would love to do it here, but it's not a horror at all. Sure. Well, I'm glad. I I was like Eileen will know some of this stuff, yeah, so I'm love so the glad you do. So she became known for her participation in Boca do Lixo which we've spoken about before for many times, and porno chanchadas. I can't say it any other way. Porno chanchadas. Yeah. And that was in the 70s and 80s. 
She starred in features such as Damas do Prazer. Damas do Prazer. Damas. Damas do Prazer. Thank you. 1975. O Prisioneiro do Sexo. Oh, my. 1978. Eros, o Deus do Amor. From yeah. 1981. On TV, she was featured as the doctor Luisa in the telenovela Bahiga de Aluguel. Oh my God, Bahiga de Aluguel, stomach Alugel. for rent. Yeah, it was oh. basically about oh. sur surrogates. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay, cool. I I'm remember glad you knew Bahiga de Aluguel. <laughs> Love that. She acted in fourteen soap operas. Fourteen, and the last one was Amor e Revolución. No. <laughs> How do you say? Revolution. Revolution. How do you say that in Portuguese? Revolution. <laughs> there we go. There we go. It, it says here revolution for some reason in oh. this article. Uh, oh, because I put it through fucking Google Translate like a dumbass. Okay. But that was from 2011. So. Oh, sure. I never know. It's a little like I, past our time. Yeah. Yeah. Not for me. She is also an animal rights activist and cool. wrote the book A Boca de São Paulo, in which she talks about the backstory of porno chanchadas. Wow. In 2020, she was in the first major online theater show in Brazil, which I assume was due to the pandemic. Doesn't say sure. that here, but, you know, I assume. The play was called A Arte de Facerá o Medo. Facerá? To face. So oh. the art of facing fear. Great. So the art of facing fear that was written by Ivan Cabral and Rodolfo Garcia Vasquez. And that was with the Teatro Us, however, this again, this word, sat satirus. Satirus. Not satires, satirs, whatever. Satirus. <laughs> not not like satire, like like the word that like you satirs? said. As, like satirs, right? Like <laughs> los satirs. In 2017, she was like the presenter of this show called Pornolandia. Cool. Like Pornoland on Canal Brasil. And so I was like, got to find out what the fuck this is. So yeah. I looked it up and it says here, actress Nicole Puzzi shares with the viewer her erotic discoveries in revealing interviews approaching contemporary sex in an irreverent way. Wow. Kind of made me think of like, remember that show on HBO, Real Sex? Hell yeah. How can I yeah, forget? Yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Stay, staying <laughs> up late being like, nobody's coming down the hall. Okay, I can now I can watch Real Sex. Because, you know, we were kids. Um, yep. It made me think of that. You can find it actually online if you want to watch it. So there it is. So that's just a little bit about... Nicole Puzzi. And now let's talk about Cole Santana, who played Spitcurl. Spitcurl, Pacheco. Pacheco. So this is from howold.co. <laughs> Weird. Great. <laughs> Petronio Rosa Santana was born in Cruzeiro, São Paulo on December 1st, 1919. Whoa! December 1st would be Sagittarius. He began his acting career in the circus as the clown Picolet. 
Oh my god. That that rings I, a bell. That sounds very familiar to me. It really does, yeah. Then, as Cole, he acted as a comedian in the pocket theaters in Copacabana. I don't know what pocket theaters are. I assume just like small small theaters. Yeah, sure. sure. He made his film debut in 1945 in the film Ucotisu. And starting there, he started a very successful career. I definitely recognized him when I saw him on screen. Did I was you? like, I think I know this guy. I did too, actually. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, that's why I wanted to look him up, but nothing I found really rung a bell for me. From the 1960s onwards, he participated in television comedy shows such as the programs Balanza Mais Não Cai in 1968, Ustrapalhões, which we talked about. Maybe and, that's where. And, oh, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And A Escolinha do Professor Raimundo from 1990 <gasps> yep, on TV that's, Globo. That's the one that I know him from. Is that it? A Escolinha do Professor Raimundo for sure. In the cinema, the actor surprised people in spicy scenes in the film Tabu. So I was like, what do you mean? What happened? So I looked up this movie and I could find nothing spicy about it. So it's a film from 1982 in which he played opposite Caetano Veloso. How cool is that? Very cool. Very, very cool. (laughs) Listen to this. It says here in this fucking article I found, he was married to practically all the stars he played opposite. (laughs) Wow. Listen, charm, baby. Yep. Uh, Unfortunately, he died on August 29th uh, in 2000, so quite a while ago, in in Hue at the age of 80. Good job, dude. Yeah, and my... Last bit of trivia is from mjsimpson-films.blogspot.com. And this article was written on August 14th of 2016. Just a little bit about MJ Simpson. He has a little blurb about himself that about himself that says, I co-founded SFX in 1995 and worked there for three years, then spent 15 years as a freelance film journalist writing for Fangoria, Video Watchdog, Shivers, and other mags. And now he writes, like, scripts and books and stuff like that most of the time. Okay, so this is what I found. There's just, like, a few things that I found interesting from this article. He gives, like, a detailed review about the movie. He basically takes you through the full thing. So let's talk about it a bit. Back in the 1990s, he says, I was twice invited with my journalist's hat on to attend the Fantasporto Film Festival. Fantas, Fantasporto. <laughs> Can you say that word, please? Fantasporto? Fantasporto, sure. Film festival in the delightful Portuguese town of Oporto. And I had a grand old time on both occasions, hanging out with filmmakers and journos from around the world. Among those people who were present on both occasions was a Brazilian fellow named Ivan Cardoso. Now, I will say in this article, some of the stuff he wrote, I was like, I don't know. Like, there was some stuff about, like, his exploration of Latin American cinema and mm-hmm. very much being, like, he calls it, like, indigenous cinema yeah, and stuff I like that. that. And how he was, like, most of it gravitates toward, like, over-the-top comedy slapsticky stuff. And I was like, no, I didn't. I, I, I disagree with that. Unless yeah. maybe I took him, I, I took the article the wrong way, which is very, very possible. 
I also found this article and I read it and I and I thought like he the vibe it gave was they're making movies for themselves and like people outside of it wouldn't get it like that's why it's indigenous like it's meant for like the like the yeah. people around and I was like well maybe not dude like yeah there so I see what you mean I see I understand the feeling that you might have and he himself admittedly says that his exploration of Latin American cinema ends in Mexico. Yeah. So, so you know, yeah. I was like, I don't know. But anyway, I did find some interesting things in here. So he says several of Cardozo's feature films and a compilation of his early shorts were released on VHS in the USA by Something Weird, which is a company. And the rights to his most notable pictures are now, are now handled by a company called One-Eyed Films, which seems to specialize in Brazilian popular cinema. Interesting. Cool. The only non-Brazilian festival where Aceti Vampiras definitely played was Sitges. Is that how you pronounce that in Spain? Uh, sit, sitges? 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 I always want to say Sitges. Whatever <laughs> el Sitges in Spain. At the Festival do Cinema brasileiro de gramado <laughs> it won best <laughs> screenplay and zeze macedo won zezé. a special oh this accent is in the wrong place and zeze macedo won a special jury prize for her small but memorable memorable role as comedy hat check lady hina at the Hugh Cine Film Festival, the picture won no fewer than four awards. Wow. Best editing for Gilberto Santeiro. Best art direction for Oscar Ramos. Best supporting actress for Andrea Beltran. And best film. Wow. Carlos Egberto also won an award somewhere for his cinematography. Great. To be honest, the film looks very fairly ghastly, but I suspect it was shot on 16 millimeter, and that this isn't a great VHS transfer. Some of the cast and crew worked on Cardoso's 1982 feature, O Segredo da Mumia, which we talked about. Yeah. And also screenwriter R.F. Lucetti seems to have the Brazilian horror scene pretty much sewn up as he is not only Cardoso's regular writer, he also pens several scripts for the country's other notable Frightmeister, José Mujica Marins, a.k.a. Coffin Joe. And that's my trivia for today. I love it. Let's talk about Zezé Macedo, who is the woman that won an award for playing Hina. Rightly um, so. Yes. Zezé Macedo was a this is from her Wikipedia by the way, was a Brazilian comedian and actress in radio, cinema and television, being the female record holder in Brazil for fil- for film appearances, having made over 100 films. Holy she also shit. she also published four books of poetry. Huh. Um so Maria José de Macedo was born in Silva Jardim in the Brazilian state of Rio de Janeiro on May 6th, 1916. Another lovely Taurus. Wow. Her stepfather, Colombano Santos, was a notary and the local mayor, as well as being a great supporter of the theater. Her theatrical debut was at the age of four. As she could not read, she memorized the lines by listening to them read by her stepfather. Oh, I know, that's so cute. 
At the age of 15, she married a mechanic and electrician, Alcides Magnans, giving up being an actress and moving to Niteroi. They had a son who died at just one year of age when he fell oh. from his paternal grandmother's lap and fractured his skull. Oh! I know. Upon learning of her son's death, she gave a huge cry and was then silent for a long time, suffering shock. When she spoke again, her voice had changed. It was completely hoarse and would remain that way for the rest of her life. Oh, the, my God. I, I know. feel that in my soul. Really sad. The couple oh. broke up shortly after their son's death and Macedo started working as a clerk as a clerk in her stepfather's office. Through her stepfather's connections, she began to read her poems on the Grande Jornal Fluminense, which was a show broadcast on Sundays by Rádio Tamoyo. Replacing another actress in a recording when the actress did not turn up, she came to the attention of the screenwriter and actor Paulo Porto, who gave her the opportunity to start appearing on television. Her first performance was in the comedy program Mesa Quadrada in 1953, a satire of the football programs on television. Macedo was thin and short with big eyes and a mocking expression, and this led to her nearly always being subsequently chosen for comedy roles, frequently as a maid, despite her wish to play more dramatic roles in television soap operas. Now, uh, when it comes to her roles in cinema, among the films she participated in were Juventu em Popa, directed by Carlos Manga in 1957, O Homem do Sputnik <laughs> from 1959, mm -hmm. which is considered by moviegoers as one of the best chanchadas. Um, Esse milhão é meu, which means this giant corn is mine. Oh. <laughs> Uh, and uh, in these three films, she played alongside the comedy actor Oscarito, who insisted that she perform with him. Although she performed in many of the Shanshada films, she never had a starring role. Bummer. With the decline of the Shanshada in the early 1960s, Macedo began to dedicate herself more to theater and television while continuing to make films. From 1965, she was hired by TV Globo, for which she would act until the end of her life. In the 1970s, her film career was boosted with the emergence of porno Shanshadas, which were a type of sex comedy that stopped short, <laughs> that stopped short of being pornographic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, in 1983, she starred as the protagonist in a satire for children on Steven Spielberg's E.T. The Extraterrestrial. Oh. What? A satire of that film? Maybe? Oh, sure. Like they made like the Brazilian version? Maybe. This is what I'm assuming. Sure, yeah. Her last feature film was Ivan Cardoso's The Scarlet Scorpion in 1990. On August 26th, 1999, Macedo suffered a stroke and was admitted to the clinic in Rio de Janeiro. She died on October 9th, 1999. In 2012, her life was portrayed in the play A Revenge of the Mirror, the story of Zezé Macedo, written by wow. Flavio Marinho, which is very cool. Cool. Well, rest in peace, lady. May she rest. She definitely stood out. Yeah, totally. Now let's talk about Leo Jaime, who played our favorite guy, 
Bob Ryder. Um, <laughs> Leonardo Leo Jaime, born April 23rd, 1960. Another fucking Taurus. Wow. This film is filled the with Tauruses. Full of Tauruses. He is a Brazilian singer, songwriter, guitarist, actor, and writer, famous for being one of the founding members of the rockabilly band João Penca e seus Miquinhos Amestrados. Leo Jaime was born in Goiânia, Goiás in 1960. In 1977, when he was 17 years old, he moved to Sao Paulo to take acting classes, but later abandoned his studies and went to Rio de Janeiro. There, he had a number of short-term jobs, including a bartender, clothes salesman, before he embraced the musical career and founded the band Zoo, which would then be renamed to João Penca e seus Miquinhos Amestrados. That is a big-ass title for a band. Yeah. However, he left the band in 1984 to pursue a solo career, releasing eight studio albums as of 2008, collaborating with bands and singers such as Barão Vermelho, which is a big band in Brazil. Um, turns out he was invited to be the vocalist uh, after he left João Penca e seus Miquinhos Amestrados, but he declined the offer, saying that his voice was too soft for the band's musical style, and he was the one that suggested they picked Cazuza instead. And I've talked about Cazuza before in, on mm-hmm. some episodes. He was the lead singer of Barão Vermelho that died of AIDS uh, very publicly and like in the 80s when this hadn't happened before. Mm. In 1985, he began to pursue a career as an actor as well, where he worked in As Sete Vampiras. That was his debut film, uh, which he, he in which he also contributed an eponymous song to the to the soundtrack. <laughs> uh, he also provided the singing voice of Dodger in the Brazilian Portuguese dub of Oliver and Company. Remember that wow. movie? He reached higher prominence after starring in the. Te- Telenovela Bebe a Bordo, which means Baby on Board, in 1988. And he also starred in the long-running soap opera Malhação, which I was obsessed with. And it's still running now. Malhação has been on forever. It's the, it's the uh, what is a, an American one that has been on forever? Days of Our Lives. It's the Davis of Our Lives of Brazil. There you go. Did, but it's did you recognize him gym. from that? No, I did not recognize him from that. From 2015 to 2018, he hosted the talk show Papo de Segunda on GNT. And in his first role as a voice actor since 1988 and as a film actor overall since 1990, Leo Jaime provided the voice of anger in the Brazilian Portuguese dub of Pixar's 2018. 15 inside out so that's really cool yeah Yeah. he's married to psychologist daniela lux jaime in uh he got married in 20 2004 and has a son with her named david and that's the end of my trivia i love it you want to answer some questions for me yes eileen were you scared no were you no wasn't scary What was your best scare in this not scary movie? I think I'm going to give it to the first moment when we see the vampiro, when he comes out with that, his fucking cape and everything. And we see the mask and the knife. I was like, ew, what the fuck is that? It was I wasn't expecting that to be our villain. You know what I mean? So weird. 
you literally get like a slasher villain in this movie, which was totally, totally unexpected. Uh, I gave it to that too. I mean, I literally was just like, this movie didn't scare me, but I have two scares here. Oh, okay. Uh, one was like you just said, the the first kind of semi reveal of the vampire face, which I was like, what's going on here? What is that fucking thing? Yeah. And then also Sylvia's slow transformation creeped me out. I was like, I can't tell what's going on with her. So it gave me the creeps. Yeah. Who was your favorite character? Clarice. Great. All the way. Absolutely. It, yeah. And you? Team Clarice, and I'm going to mention Hina just also because she was great. I loved her. She, <laughs> like I said, stood out. She was great. Totally. What was your best line? There were so many because obviously mm. every time I listen to Portuguese, it makes me so happy. But mm-hmm. I'm going to give it to what I think would be <laughs> the thesis statement of the film, which is from one of the workers in the beginning that says, Porra, planta que come carne, puta que pariu, eu, hein? Which is so funny. So that one, but then also... I loved when uh, Louise was like, ser papado por uma planta. Just pop, 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 pop. Yes. And, um, and yeah, those two, so good. E tu? There was one, I'm not even going to try to say it in Portuguese, but there was a line that Hina said when she was talking to Maria, where she was like, oh, we are joining in our common, you know, destiny to overcome the enemy. Men. Men. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, she made me laugh at that one. I was like, that oh, that was good. That, that's that's really good. All right. What was your best death? I guess I'd give it to. I'd give it to Louise in the park because you get like a good throat slash. But mm-hmm. technically for me, I know it wasn't a death because we discovered in the end that he didn't die. But when mm-hmm. when Freddy gets eaten by the plant, I feel like that would be a good a good kill but that's not the case so uh, a semi vote for that and you i actually gave it to freji because okay he is attacked by the plant and i was like oh fuck he got eaten and we believe he's dead we believe he's dead but then in the end it is the plant that ends you're up right. killing him you're right so like okay. he slowly succumbs to the injuries that he sustained from that plant attack. So I'm giving it to to Fredji being you know eaten, what? or at least Me a tank by a plant. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Did you learn anything about the culture? No. No. I mean, I relearned some words from you, giving them to me in Portuguese, which I loved, <laughs> but nah, no, no, no. And finally, how many ooze are you going to give this movie? I'm going to give it one and a half just because it was goofy enough for me to be like, this is hilarious. Like, what a weird thing. Uh, But yeah, what a bonkers movie. Like there wasn't the the through line was tough. Um, I wanted so bad for it to be a little shop vibe. And that's not what we get. Also, Mm -hmm. not a vampire. I mean, there were vampires, but not a vampire movie. It's just what a weird, twisty, turny, goofy way to go about this film. So one and a half for me. Yeah, I agree completely with everything you just said. I give it a two just because I was mostly entertained. I mean, toward the end there, I was like, okay, I'm ready for this to kind of wrap itself up. And when it did, I was like, wait, what Uh happened here? I feel like it could have been, you could have cut 
quite a few characters oh God, from this so movie, much. I think. Because there was ju- there were just so many people to follow. But Clarice was great. She really stood out. Sylvia gave us a dramatic, breathy performance, which I appreciated. Yeah. Hina was fab. Some of the guys were fun, too, here and there, you know. Um, Bob Ryder. <laughs> Bob Ryder was great. Again, <laughs> I liked the the introduction. I mean, it was too much, but, like, you're giving me fucking Little Shop, and then you're giving me, like, Giallo slasher vibes, and then you're throwing in vampires, but you're not throwing in vampires. Like, it, it all was interesting and manic, but not great. So, yeah, yeah two ooies. Definitely check it out. Interesting, fun time, but yeah, not great. Totally. Not great. It's uh, get stoned and watch it. It's goofy for that. <laughs> yes. Yes. For highly sure. recommend it. We did it. Well, let's get out of this garden center. Thank you so much for being here with us. We appreciate you. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. Cualquier plataforma. In cualquier plataforma. Nice. Portuguese and Spanish. They're, they're fraternal so twins. So close. Um, <laughs> Make sure and follow us on our redes sociales at Uikiorur on Instagram and Twitter. You can uh, find the movies we watch every Friday we post so that you guys can watch it through the weekend. And then on Monday when we release our episode, we can all be on the same page together. You can also find all of the movies that we've uh, watched on our link tree, which is linktr.ee slash Uikiorur. You can find that full list there. It's all for you. It's all for you, Damien. And um, <laughs> uh, send us an email at wikiorror at gmail.com if you have any suggestions, if you have any thoughts, feelings, uh, romance is nice. Oh, romance. All right. If you want. I mean, I no mean, promises. <laughs> think about it. Also, yeah, right. We'll think about it. Uh, thank you to Sonoro for being the carnivorous plant that munches on our faces. Uh, you can follow them on their redes sociales at Sonoro Podcast on Twitter and Instagram as well. And Johnny, if I ever were to get a plant all the way from Africa whose antidote I only had one sample of, you would get my sample. And I would share it with you. Oh, because we would both get bitten by the plant. Let's just be, let's be honest. Absolutely. I fucking love you, dude. I fucking love you too. And we'll see you guys in la próxima semana. Adios. Adios. Oh, adios. <laughs> Uy, qué horror. Es una producción de Sonoro. Produced by Jonathan Atkinson and Eileen Clark. Edición y mezcla. Karina Riverol. Escuche Uy Que Horror en cualquier plataforma donde escuchen podcasts. Subscribe, rate, and review. Adiós. Adiós. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.